1: Welcome to the Ladbrokes Lounge, Ladbrokes Mates Mode, the better way to chat, share and bet this spring racing carnival. T's and C's apply and available on the website. Call 1-800-858-858. Oh,
2: good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Ladbrokes Lounge. It's edition number two. Duet, if you're in Italian. Uh, The, if you're in Greek, uh, wherever you may be listening. Yes, uh, whatever nationality you are, we welcome you all because it is uh, the Ladbrokes Lounge on this Saturday morning. I'm excited. Okay, I've been in the industry many years, but I'm excited. My co-host for the Ladbrokes Lounge has arrived. Let's give you a bit of taste on who my co-host is. Clever
3: stuff from Medhurst. Oh, beautiful play there from Medhurst. Oh,
4: ball of the game from Nat Medhurst.
1: Into Medhurst. Shot. Oh, beautiful
3: shot,
4: Nat Medhurst.
1: Medhurst quickly into Nelson.
4: And you just get the sense it's going to
3: explode one way or the other. That's pretty good. A oh, great ball from Nat Medhurst. She misses for the rebound. Nat Medhurst
1: read the play beautifully and inserted herself into the action. Oh, both!
3: Placement over the top. Medhurst, downtown Nelson. Medhurst finds some space alone this time in the circle. That's a better shot from the grandmother of the game. The she's going to kill you for
4: that. Oh, Nat Medhurst, that is exactly what she's so brilliant at. So silky. Can you explain where the bung come from? The bung. Oh, geez. Um, it's processed meat, basically. Um. <laughs> <laughs> So it went Medhurst and then you've got Metwurst and in South Australia you can buy Fritz, which maybe is called Devon. 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 Um, and you buy a bung of Fritz. So yes, it's a lovely name. My mum loves it. Um, yeah, it's quite flattering. Nice. So if you're wondering, she actually nicknamed herself. No, I did like... not. I did not. <laughs> La- she did. No, Lauren. She really did. Lauren Nairn, no, no, that's it. Actually, she has no idea. <laughs>
2: Ladies and gentlemen, uh, proud to present a lady that played just under 100 times for the Australian netball team, or the Opals as we know them, uh, 86 times. In fact, the Diamonds, get it right, Peter. Also, of course, with the West Coast fever, welcome to the Ladbrokes Lounge, Natalie Medhurst. We have to make you feel at home. Hi Nat, how are you going? Hi,
4: what an introduction. Wow. <laughs> That's one of the better ones I've ever had.
2: How are you going?
4: I'm going very well. It's great to be here.
2: Yeah, nice to have you on board. Of course, uh, you are a seasoned professional sports person. You're gonna bring all your knowledge and experiences over the years here to the Ladbroke's Lounge. How's life treating you?
4: It's hectic, um, no doubt. What, two kids? Um, so it's, it's going well, though. I'm enjoying it, but this will give me a beautiful two, two and a half hours. <laughs> of, I'll say me time away from the kids, but so you can deal with them um, and keep, hopefully keep them alive. But um, no, things are going well, and it's great to be back in Perth. We've been back for just over 12 months now. I was just saying, so. you've
2: been a bit of a journey person, haven't you? Uh, since uh, you were born, you are born in country Victoria. Tell us about the Nat Medhurst journey.
4: Yeah, born in country Victoria, a small town called warwick Um And then I actually grew up in South Australia, so right down near the Vic border in a town called Millicent, which is about four hours southeast of Adelaide. Um, and then moved to Adelaide where I started, I guess, really playing netball, played with the Adelaide Thunderbirds. And as you said, I moved around a bit. So played in Adelaide, went to Queensland with the Queensland Firebirds, over here in Perth, then I played with <laughs> Collingwood of all clubs, Collingwood, over in Melbourne and now we're back. So yeah, as I said, it's really nice to be here.
2: Yeah, and your partner, of course, is a great fella, a former West Coast Eagle in Sammy Butler. So I gather he's looking after the domestic responsibilities this morning.
4: I hope so. Who knows what <laughs> state the house will be in when I get home. But I'm just hoping the kids are fed and alive and we'll yeah. take that as a win.
2: Saying that, regarding football, we must uh, touch base early. A dominant performance by Geelong last night. They've booked their spot in this uh, weekend's AFL Grand Final coming up next week. They defeated Brisbane by 71 points at the MCG last night. I gather you would have caught a glimpse of that last night.
4: Yeah, I did. It was, um, I guess, a little bit disappointing after what the last two weeks of the finals have Given everyone, they've been such incredible games, and this one was an absolute blowout, as you said, 71 points. But, um, yeah, the Cats, such a dominant team, I guess, all season, and um, and really put it out there when it mattered.
2: Yeah, no, they've been outstanding, and I suppose the longevity of some of their players has been incredible. Like you're called in that bit of audio, what they call you the grandma,
4: <laughs> grandma. Yeah. Well, you've got the likes
2: of Joel Selwood, Patrick Dangerfield, who are seasoned professionals, and last night. Danger was outstanding, and I suppose when you look at those cutthroat finals, regardless of what sport they are, Nat, you look to your leaders, and uh, they delivered last night.
4: Yeah, absolutely, and that's something, um, you know, it's interesting, I think sometimes we can... When they don't have a good game, we're very quick to say, oh, they're over it and, you know, it's time to move them on. But those players as well, they don't really have too many bad games um, or consecutive bad games. And that experience counts for so much. And they know they want the ball in their hands when it matters. And, um, yeah, both of those players really delivered. Let's have
2: a listen to their respective coaches. Uh, Chris Scott, of course, is the victorious Geelong coach. They've got a grand final coming up but next Saturday. They're the first team to book their spot in the grand final and this is what he said about grand final week. There's probably two parts to it. There's accept that
4: and acknowledge that it is a different week and you need to get organised early. Um, and we've got some experienced people around that have been there before that can help us with that. And once that's done, try to focus on what's the most important to prepare for the game. And again, it's not—it's not one where you can. I used to think 30 years ago, whenever it was, that you could just isolate yourself from the week and just treat it like another week. I think, if that was possible, then it's impossible now. So you've almost got no choice but to embrace it, which is the right way to go anyway. Like it's so hard to get to this situation. So, um, you know, the only way you can really—you can muck it up—is to—is to try to hide away from it. I think so. Embrace the moment. Yeah,
2: so embrace the moment. Now, you've played in uh, big matches, heading into gold uh, medal matches, as we know, at the Netball World Championships, Commonwealth Games gold in 2014. So how do you prepare for a big match like that?
4: Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, I think the first thing is, is around your preparation and what it is that you do that week. and make Do you change much up? No, not real. I think from a club's perspective, your training sessions are very similar to what you've always done. Um, it's whether or not, depending on maybe what the game before was like as to whether maybe you're, you're tapering a bit. But you're obviously not going out there Mm. and trying to develop new game plans or anything like that a week out. So it's just really, um, I guess, making sure the confidence around the players is high around what they need to execute. But there's so many other things around it as well that I think becomes a real thing for the clubs to manage around, you know, media and appearances and all of those sorts of things, um, fan engagement, because there's a certain amount that you do need to do, but you also need to make sure there's not too much or there's some players that are fine with it and they don't see that as a distraction or throws them off. Whereas for others it does. So it's for the club being um, aware of who are the best players to put in front of those sorts of things. And um, as um, Chris mentioned, it is really about just embracing it, um, taking it for what it is. Cause I played for 17 years and <laughs> you, t- you touch on those big games, but from a club perspective, I won one premiership. So they're hard to get into and even harder to win. So you In
2: just... 17 years, only one premiership. Yeah. Amazing. And what year was that? 2011. Right. So midway through your career, yeah. basically. Interesting. Uh, you can also text us on the uh, temper at Bedshed text line. Welcome, uh, Nat Medhurst, to the Ladbrokes Lounge, 0487 736 736. Or the open line, 1312 55. Mike from Palmyra says, Morning, Pete, and welcome, Nat. Happy Saturday. Here's an interesting one for you, Nat. Rory Lobb's been in the news. He's wanting out of Frio. Free. Frio free saying, no, no, you still got another year to run on your contract, and we've got to get the best trade for him. He doesn't want to be there. And for many people, like Mike saying, he's not going to be a really big loss. What do you do with a person like this? Now, his partner at the moment lives with her family in Melbourne. Uh, his uh, Her dad is, or stepdad, is Steve Rosich, who used to be the CEO of the Fremantle Football Club now works with Victoria Racing. He's the uh, chief executive there. So family predominantly in Melbourne. Rory wants to go there. The dockers, from a business perspective, are saying, hang on, uh, we've still got a year to run on your contract. We want to exercise that at this point in time. What do you do in that situation?
4: I I find this all really interesting because this is nothing we have to deal with in netball. But I just feel if a player doesn't want to be there why keep them like just around so then what what is
2: a contract worth then in some ways when you look at a sporting contract and people you know players are now being signed for seven-year contracts if they get to a stage after three or four years and think nah this is not for me i reckon i can get the same sort of money going elsewhere i'm gonna get out of this contract and go to another place
4: yeah it's a good it's a good point and um You know, obviously, I mean, these sorts of things obviously happen. They do happen all the time. But then maybe it's what is the responsibility of the club to make it work for Mm. not only for them, but also for Rory. So that then he is there for that if they keep him there for that last year well, how is he going to actually be happy, which would no doubt affect his performance, his own personal relationships and all of those sorts of things, and then the way in which he would leave the club. So it is then also looking at, well, everything that is going around that in supporting um, him staying.
2: Interesting. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, This is the Ladbrokes Lounge. Nat Medhurst and Peter Vlahos with you on a Saturday morning, as Mike uh, has done. Come and join us on the Temperate Bedshed text line. Uh, 0487 736 736 This is a cool show Tell the music Bit of Rolling Stones coming in Of course the Ladbrokes Lounge Ladbrokes mates mode Ladbroke it together This spring carnival gamble responsibly 1800 858 858 Roger Federer's retirement There's a lot of people devastated We'll touch in on that issue Straight after the break Here on the Ladbrokes Lounge
1: Ladbrokes Lounge. Ladbrokes Mates Mode. The better way to chat, share and bet this spring carnival. T's and C's apply and available on the website. Call 1-800-858-858.
2: Yes, 19 past nine here on the Ladbrokes Lounge. Wherever you may be listening on SEN 657 here in Perth, SEN Spirit 621 in Bunbury in the beautiful southwest. Uh, In the goldfields, Norm and the team there listen in all the time at 16.11 on digital radio at SEN Peel. And wherever you may be in Australia, around the world, uh, on the SEN WA app, Peter Vlahos and Nat Medhurst with you on the Ladbrokes Lounge, SMS uh, 487 Seven, three, six, seven, three, six, Well, if you want to give Nat a call, you're more than welcome to join us on the open line thirteen, twelve fifty five in fact i'd like to maybe get a call or two uh, and just I'll leave it for Nat to handle the talk back callers. There you go, all right, so that's all you need to do thirteen twelve fifty five coming up we're going to speak to Mick Collis, our rugby expert, about an incredible situation at Marvel Stadium on Thursday in the Bledisloe Cup. He's going to break it down for us because it was controversial. It's not often seen that sort of a decision. On this case, it determined the match. So we're going to speak to Mickey about that and also preview the second Bledisloe Cup match. Tony Sage, the owner of the Perth Glory, is going to join us at the top of the hour. They are nomadic at the moment, the Glory. They don't know where they're going to play their home games. And also, there's a bit of a drama regarding their uh, W, the AFLW team, for the Perth Glory, that is the women's team. We'll talk to Tony about that at the top of the hour. And also saying now, we're going to also go inside the Australian Diamonds.
4: Yeah, we've got Maddie Proud. So um, she'll be competing in the two upcoming test series against the Silver Ferns and also the England Roses. So she'll be joining us later this
2: morning. Fantastic. Looking forward to that. So don't go away. This is the Ladbrokes Lounge. And as we do, do every Saturday morning, we speak to Dan Cobby from Ladbrokes about the markets. Uh, Dan, thanks for joining us.
0: Great to be here yet again. Hello to you and all the listeners. It's a big day of racing right around the country. We can't wait to to get stuck into a big day of racing.
2: Yeah, let's kick it off at Caulfield. It's the Sir Rupert Clark uh, as the feature today. Give us the market on Ladbrokes.
0: What a race it is as well. This race has obviously caused a bit of conjecture this week because well, I wish I win race favourite was, in fact, second emergency for this race. I can tell you when scratchings were finalised this morning at 7.30, there were no scratchings. Therefore, I wish I win doesn't gain a start. Likewise, Dragon and was, in fact, first emergency, he ran fourth first up in the Menzie. He doesn't gain a run either. So this race has certainly changed complexion. Race favourite now is Tuvalu at $4.80 for the Lindsay Smithyard. Jared Fry looking to get his first Group 1 win. Showmanship, the former West Aussie, is at $5.50 on the second line. Ayrton's on the third line, who has been a drifter, five out to $7. We're then looking at double figures uh, for the remainder. The first of those being I Am Superman, who did in fact hit $17 this morning, is now trimmed up back into $12. So a little bit of support there for I Am Superman. New favourite in this race, Two Tuvalu, now at $4.80. With the scratching, I wish I win.
2: Uh, Good stuff at Ramwick Excitement because Nature Strip returns today. That's right. Coming off
0: his win at Royal Ascot in the Kingston Stakes. What a a great victory that was. And he certainly trolled the house down leading into this, which he always does. And he looks ready to rumble here fresh. He's got a terrific fresh record. And he is, of course, our race favourite for the shorts today. $2.15 for Nature Strip. Eduardo, his old rival, is on the second line at $4.00. Then it's an interesting one, the battle for the the third favouritism, so to speak. Marzu's a new horse on the scene at $7. There's been certainly some interest in him this morning. And then we go down to Lost and Running at $9.50, of course, has already sewn up a spot in the Everest. In fact, the first four horses I just mentioned are all heading towards the Everest in a few weeks' time. So it's a little bit of a a mini Everest, so to speak. Interestingly enough, this is probably the first time that we've seen, leading up to that big race, that we've seen them all meet so early in the preparation here in the Shorts.
2: Ah, good stuff. Okay, let's come closer to home and just across uh, the railway line, basically, at Belmont, we're focusing on race eight today.
0: That's right. It's um, certainly the best race on the card, 1,200 meter race here in a really competitive betting event. The market mover so far has been number two comes a time. It is now your favourite at $3.10. Star Trade at $3.90 is there as well, well supported. Mood Swings on the third line at $5. Um, then we go down to Celaya, who's actually been a big drifter in betting as a consequence for those moves, for the, those handy in betting, is now out to $8.50. But the favourites best tried here. Comes a time for Harvey and Grantham, four dollars on opening, now into three dollars ten. We've seen this Galloper be one of the best backrunners throughout the card today at Belmont.
2: Good on you, Dan. Dan Cobby from Ladbrokes, of course, he's on the Ladbrokes Lounge. We'll check in with you looking at the AFL and also the Brownlow Medal markets in the next half hour. Thanks, Dan.
0: Thank you. Looking forward to a big weekend, of course, of racing and sport.
2: I will never, ever forget that rally. Is at championship points.
4: Can you believe us?
2: Hawkeye decides the outcome. It's in! Victory! For- He's champion in Australia for a fifth
4: time. And it's major number 18 for the Swiss maestro. And he's it the hard way, beating his nemesis, Rafael Nadal, in five
2: uncompromising sets. Uh, Yes, a major announcement. On the back end of Serena Williams, of course, finishing at the US Open at Flushing Meadow New York, Roger Federer, who hasn't played since uh, the middle of last year due to injury, uh, decided to finally retire, will play in the Labor Cup. Now, there's a wry smile here in the Ladbrokes Lounge from my co-host Nat Medhurst because she had the very much the fortunate situation of actually meeting the great man. Now, I'd like to throw it out here right now on the Ladbrokes Lounge. When you heard that Roger Federer had decided to retire what was your reaction? Can you describe it in one word? Or can you describe it in one word, how you would surmise the great Swiss master? 0487 736 736. We tried to get Paul Kilderry on the program. I actually texted him yesterday, Killer Nat. And he was at New York at the US Open, came back to Melbourne where he lives now, and I said, Killer, of course you brought Fed around a couple of times for the Hopman Cup when we loved it here over the Christmas New Year break. Would you mind coming on? He texted me back. Sorry, Peter, I'm in Germany with the Davis Cup team. And we'll talk about the Davis Cup a bit later on. A lot of travelling this year. And I said, I'm doing it with Nat Medhurst. He goes, well, mention it to Nat tomorrow morning about her experience with the great Roger Dodger, the Fed Express. Tell us.
4: Yes, I was. was... I've seen the photo, (laughs) folks. I've
2: seen the photo.
4: Oh well, let me take you back. (laughs) Um, It was the start of the Hopman Cup in twenty eighteen, so very start, Um, and I was somehow ended up um, at the arena um, behind the scenes, and I remember walking into one of the, the change rooms and they opened the door and had, we hadn't been told who was in there or what was going on. It was just like a bit of a look around at the setup, up and there on the floor was Federer doing his stretches and I'd almost lost it. I just <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, I am in the presence of – Roger Federer here. This is unbelievable. And um, he was getting ready to go out and have a bit of a hit. So I didn't speak a word to him or anything. (laughs) I had to think my mouth just dropped to the floor. And then afterwards, um, there was myself, uh, Nick Natanui, and Connor Blakely. Blakely
2: From the Dockers, yeah. From the
4: Dockers. um, And we were all there on the edge of the court. And um, then they brought him over and introduced us to him. And so I got to shake his hands and he was just so genuine in Mm. his interaction with you. Obviously he meets that many people and on this day, he's getting pulled in every single direction as well. Um, And so just to be in the presence of him, someone who I've admired, loved watching um, was just, yeah, pretty remarkable. And um, we then got lined up to have a photo and he came and stood next to me. And I thought, this is unbelievable. Oh boy. Um, Yep. The photographer, (laughs) absolutely. The photographer actually tried to get him to shift in between the two AFL boys. And he went back and he's like, well, it doesn't matter. I'm you know, where I am because there's I want, to, I want to be shoulder shoulder with I want Nat. to be next to Nat <laughs> <men>. <laughs> yes. Um And, yeah, so I've now got this photo and I can easily crop out the other two blokes and it's just me and him, it looks I like. I do it as well. That's
2: brilliant. <laughs> it's interesting, actually, uh, and I think a lot of people may have uh, brushed uh, alongside Roger like you did when he was here for the Hotman Cup. I do a bit of work. Well, not work, but I voice their commercials for Tony Barlow menswear. Frank Rayo's the general manager. He told me this story. They had the Hopman Cup ball. Yes, thank you, Heda. They had the Hopman Cup ball. And, of course, he didn't bring a dinner suit or a black suit. So they've rung Frank at Tony Barlow, says, Frank, uh, can you get a suit for Roger? Um, and then they contacted Federer and they thought they'd say the Federer camp, we'll send you the measurements and just do the suit. But Roger said, no, let them come up and they can measure me in my apartment, wherever I was staying, probably in the penthouse at the Crown. So Frank, who's five foot nothing, uh, goes up there in the lift. In fact, he, he buzzed and he said, uh, Frank Rayo here from Tony Barlow Menswear, I'm here to measure Roger. Message, yeah, bring him up. We're in number blah, 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 blah. Knocks on the door. Roger opens the door. Mr. Federer, come in, Frank, come in. Comes in, take a seat. Would you like a coffee? Murdica, his wife, makes him a short espresso. He sits there for a while. Roger's there. Murdica's there. I think they had one set of twins at that stage. And he spent about an hour there and uh, measured him. And basically that was his experience. Yeah, wow. He actually had a cup of espresso with him. But that's very similar to you. He was just no ears and graces. I am who I am. People have made me who I am and um, he accepted everybody. So there you go. That was a good story. Um, so Roger Federer, now, how, when you look at sport and we talk about star power and what it does for the sport, because people like Roger Federer brought people that hadn't followed tennis before to the sport, um, what do you think it means for a sport to have a person like that as the so-called PR of that particular sport. And there's been others, of course, in other sports as well. Tom Brady, probably for the NFL, who's decided to retire then come back. And there probably would have been certain people that you came across that were the figurehead of particular sports.
4: Yeah. Um, oh, I mean the sport hangs so much, and they're worth so much to these sports. And I think you even look at um AFL, and I know a lot of people say, oh, well, they shouldn't be paid that much. But Well
2: what... Nick Natnew is that for the West Coast Eagles, yeah, isn't he?
4: What he does for others as well is what they bring to the sport and, you know, engaging fans and getting young kids as well. There's also that side in terms of the mm. growth of the sport from that junior development because kids want to play because this particular yeah. player plays, you know, the sport. Um And, you know, I'm not a big one around athletes being role models for young kids. I, You're not? I, I'm not. Because um, some I, sports
2: I, people say, you know, I'm a role model and, uh, you know, I've got to make sure that I don't do this and don't do
4: that. Yeah. For me, I think at the end of the day, it's just about being a good blo- bloke person, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. And I think as well it takes away the responsibility of parents doing their job and should ultimately be the key role models. But for me, looking at my interaction with Feder and what you sort of see, it's around those behaviours as well that you go, it's not just that he's great his mm. sport but it's all the other things as well that go yeah. around it his respect um as i said obviously he does a lot as well away from the sport With for charities. other communities and he's charities done a lot, done a lot in south things.
2: africa because his uh, mum's from south african origins
4: yeah. yeah and so i think it's all of those sorts of things that where you go he is a phenomenal role yeah. model and will continue to do so much for other people but still for tennis even though he's not not playing and you know that shows a sign of the man and the person that he is. Yeah.
2: We're going to talk a bit more about Roger a bit later on. Uh, By the way, just on the SMS from Adam from Maida Vale, going back to Rory Lobb, if Joseph Say can make Kevin Durant stay, then the Dockers can make Lobb stay. He ain't KD. All right. Uh, Let's take some news headlines. Then we're going to focus on rugby, talk about Federer. So much more coming up on the Ladbrokes Lounge. All you need to do, zero four. 87736736. Ladbrokes mates mode. The better way to chat, share and bet this spring carnival. Well, TNCs apply and available on the website. Call 1-800-858-858. Is that what I'll be hearing tonight when I go to RAC Arena? You know where I'm going tonight? I got invited, Nat. It's probably more your genre and demo. <laughs> I got invited to the RAC Arena tonight to see the Hilltop Hoods. Oh, great. Do you know the Hilltop Hoods? I love
4: the Hilltop Hoods. They're yeah. the Adelaide boys. Are they? They are. They're
2: the ones with the baggy pants and the big jackets. <laughs> anyway, I'm taking my youngest daughter to see the Hilltop Hoods. You know what she said to me? That would be fun. <laughs>
4: <laughs> it's, we were actually talking about this last night, that they're coming over. They would be great to go see. So have you seen them? I haven't seen them, but I actually love their music. And one of their songs always used to be my walkout song for events. I did it. <laughs> yep, nosebleed section. Is that right? So, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan. yeah. So
2: I'm going the Hilltop Woods tonight. So <laughs> wow. it be interesting. There's a there's about three uh, acts beforehand, like a DJ and a few other people that I got no idea who they are. But anyway, <laughs> I'll go along and have a bit of fun. I love live music, and I reckon. And in fact, Sam Samantha, my daughter, played me a couple of songs, and I do recognise them actually. Yeah. Which one was your? Uh, Walkout song.
4: Nosebleed section.
2: Is that right? <laughs> Hita, have you got that? Nosebleed section. So when Nat finishes at eleven o'clock we'll get she can go out with that.
1: It,
2: oh good front. song. <laughs> in the noise bleed section. Back oh, back very back. good. Yeah, I know this one. You want to see it? <laughs> no, <yeah. laughs> all right. Uh, Mick Collis is the man that is uh, our rugby expert here on the Ladbrokes Lounge on SCN WA. This is what they're all talking about after what was an incredible rugby match at Marvel Stadium on Thursday night. And any went.
5: Hang on a second.
0: Hang on a second. What on, on earth? I think he's called. Come on. Holy fuck, the ball, What's There's going on? You no. And you
5: wait, you wait, you wait. So that's a strong for the All Blacks. To delay game,
0: essentially. No. You that's know just it, got it to delay exactly game on the restart. That's a ridiculous
2: call from the referee.
0: Newanek, Moonga, no Jordan. Crossfield, Jordan, away for Baratroyo
1: Vox. One of his hearts, broken.
2: We've never seen a test like it. We've never seen a finish like it. And the Old
1: us Bledisloe, Rain continues.
2: Yes, incredible scenes at Marvel Stadium. A high-scoring Bledisloe Cup, Nat. And I reckon Mickey Collis is still confused, dazed and confused after what he experienced. Hello, Mickey. Good morning to you.
5: Yeah, g'day, Pete. G'day, Nat. That's torture, mate. Make (laughs) make me listen to that again.
2: Uh, I know you've followed the the great code for a long, long time. It was called delayed. And other people call it time-wasting and whatever. So just take us through how controversial this decision was. And when was the last time that you recall that it may have been activated by the man in charge?
5: Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. It was it was just controversial, and you know, there was some very experienced commentators in that box. So Tim Horan and Andrew Mertens, one from New Zealand, one from Australia, that had probably got 150 Test caps between them, and 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 the guys on the sideline, Nick Wallabies, Justin Harrison, and, and and none of them had ever known that to happen in a game before. And that's that's. I mean, the referee was quite within his rights to do it, and I actually watched the game. Again, yesterday from the start. And it was funny when um, Bowden Barrett had a shot at goal uh, for penalty at the eight-minute mark. And at the restart, he missed it. So Australia had the restart from the 22. So it was the eight-minute, 40-second mark. And Bernard Foley, for the restart for the 22, he was taking his time. And the referee's waving his hand. And he says, play, please. Come on, gold. So from a very early phase of that game, the referee had picked up Bernard Foley for being too slow to restart the game. So, at that very other end, the 78 and a half minute where Australia's turned over the ball, uh, a penalty to Australia, fantastic. The forwards are in the corner working out what they're going to do from the line out because Foley was going to kick it out. And he's standing there holding the ball. The referee did call time out. So, he said time off because he knew there was a fair bit going on. Then he said time on, play, play on. Come on, let's go, play. And, and Foley didn't, and you could see the backs in the background on the on the vision waving around, saying, "Come on, kick it out, kick it out." And he just took that a, a second too long, and the referee, yeah, as we know, has blown the whistle, awarded the scrum to the All Blacks, and they've just remained, retained their composure and scored the try. So, it, it, yeah, I'd never seen it before, but the referee was within his rights. But it was one of those real people are saying that it wasn't the spirit. Of the game to do it, and but I you mean you I saw a game on the AFL the other day, and someone got pinned a 50 metre because they didn't give it the ball back in time or something rather. So it's a, it's one of these. It, it could go either way, and unfortunately, it went the way of the All Blacks. You know, 50% of the people there thought it was the best decision in the world, and the other 50 <laughs> didn't like it, which is you know like every every normal referee decision. But yeah, very very controversial, especially in that particular moment of the game, and and it was really only a second in it, and. There are other times where players waste more time than Foley was there, but I just think the, the referee had a bit of, bit of a beanies bonnet about Foley taking too long. He did warn him. He did say, "Come on, kick it out." And you know, Foley Foley should have he had should have had better game management. Should have listened to the referee and, and kicked it out. So we've really got a, only got ourselves to blame. But look, definitely a really, really one of the toughest calls in in rugby history.
4: And the game obviously marred by that decision. But overall, what a great game between these two teams.
5: Oh, honestly, one of the best. They reckoned that up until now, the best ever All Blacks Wallabies test was in two thousand, and that was one of these seesawing games. They All Blacks went out to about you know twenty five nil after about ten minutes, and Australia fought back. And it was Joan Lomu who finally scored the, the winning try, and that was in front of one hundred and seven thousand people at the, at the Olympic Stadium. And and that was had been regarded as the greatest Bledisloe clash, but really. I reckon this one was up there with it. it. It just had everything. The All Blacks, again, they went out to a... They were 31-13 in front early in that second half and everyone thought, oh, the floodgates are going to open. And the tries they were scoring were just just beautiful tries of just the vision they had and the and the, the understanding between some of the players that Richie Moonga was just so good, their number 10. And then for the Wallabies to, to score the try and, and give the game a pulse, as Tim Horan said, then score another one. Then it was 34-all and then they got the penalty just on halfway and Burnett Foley was too long for him, so Nick White stepped up and kicked this penalty from halfway to put Australia in front 37-34 and then that controversy at the end, which was just extraordinary. And even the fact that the, the All-Bucks got a penalty and they didn't kick, uh, they didn't take the three points to draw the game at 37 All they actually wanted to win it because if they won it was a two-match series, they hold the like a Cup already, so they only need to win one game to retain it. So they wanted to win the game and, and wrap it all up. There was no point them losing or having a draw. It was the same result for them because they still needed to win the next week. So they they wanted to win the game and so they didn't take the um, penalty goal. Had the line out. We thought they were going to score from the line out. But then, yeah, we had that fantastic turnover by um, Fachetti and then it all just went to custard from there. So it, it, it had everything from the very, very start to the 80th minute. It was 80 minutes of action. And well, yeah, absolutely, probably the, the top two, best test matches
2: of all time between those two countries. Saying that, Mick, uh, we're looking ahead to uh, the second match in this year's Bledisloe Cup. Just going back to what happened at Marvel on Thursday, was more, was more said about the Wallabies' performance or the All Blacks' performance? Because as I spoke to you on my Drive program during the week, they both went into that match with indifferent forms. So in the end, even though the Wallabies got beaten, they seem to be pumping up the Wallabies' performance.
5: Yeah, that, look, the Wallabies were really good, and 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 they were good, and you know a lot of people bag Bernard Foley. He he played the role that he was called in to play very well. And look, and again, he kicked six from six, so he kept us he kept us right in the game. So, and and one of his clutch kicks when we did score that last try to make it thirty four all, it was a clutch kick from the sideline, and he nailed it. So you know, that that was he, he he sort of he did the role that he wanted to do. Our back row was fantastic. So There's a guy called um, Rob Valentini, the number eight, and Pete Samo. Who was the number seven they were just they were fantastic so the things that the wallabies did they did very well but they've got this guy called darcy swain who's a you know a big um second row and he's the one that got sent off for headbutting during the english series and then he's he's come on as a replacement and he's just done this real cheap shot at the clean out and ended up um the guy who he hits done his acl and he's and he's medial so he's out for nine months and it was just a so he's he got a yellow card on the night but he's been sighted so they reckon it met the red card threshold so I reckon he, he won't be around for next week's game so that was a liability. Our discipline wasn't great I think there was, um, like at one stage we had two men down so there was 15 on 13 and you you can't expect to play the All Blacks like that and that's when they piled on quite a few points So, but, but the way the Wallabies played the way they just fought hard they, they didn't give in and the momentum swings in that game that the Wallabies were able to create when, when we were down but they could do something to get us back in and Yeah, look, it was a really, it was an inspiring performance by the Wallabies. It gave the the Wallabies fans a lot of heart, which is something that we've been, you know, wanting for a long time. So the mood, the general mood in Australian rugby is pretty positive, despite the result.
2: Okay, Mickey, as we let you go, the second test, Eden Park in Auckland. It's on grand final, AFL grand final day next Saturday, uh, the 24th of September. Gets underway at five minutes past five local time, so you can watch the AFL grand final, then watch the Wallabies, Nat.
4: Great, onto it. Yeah,
2: couch stuff. (laughs) When was the last time we won at Eden Park? Uh, I think you and I weren't even born then, Mitch. Mick, were we?
5: I was, Pete. 1986, it was, Pete.
2: 1986.
5: But let me tell you this. I'm going to put it on record. I think we can win it. Really? Yep. Only because I I think the All Blacks, they – it was funny. I I, I was at a dinner on Thursday night with Dan Carter down at the the Hyatt. And so we, we all watched the game together. And then I I did some Q and A with Dan after the game and then um and then probably did some Q and A with him just about his life and, and it was interesting having him in that crowd to, to watch that game and then speak to him afterwards. And and the All Blacks I think I think they don't have that same when when Richard McCaw and, and Dan Carter were there and look, they're two of the all time greats, they had a very good culture and, and and the standards they set were were very, very high. And they seem to, I'm not going to say they've got a soft underbelly, but when they're up 31-13, in in the old days, the All Blacks, they'd put the foot on the throat and they'd make it 60-13. to 13. But they just took their foot off the accelerator. So for me, I think the fact that they've won that low and, and as, we, as we spoke during the week, Pete, I think the All Blacks were more desperate not to lose it than the Australians were desperate to win it. Because those players didn't want to be the ones that handed back the Bledisloe Cup after now 20 seasons. So I think the fact that they've now won that Bledisloe Cup, I think they're going to go into this test match in Auckland without that same desire that they need. And I think Australia this time will be more hungry than the All Blacks. So I think the pressure's come off the All Blacks. And I just don't think that they've got that drive that they used to have to to rise again. For the next week, so I think this is, I think this is our best chance to break that Eden Park
2: hooter, mm, 1986. Good on you, Mickey. Thanks for joining us. I'll chat to you during the course of the week. Thanks for your time this morning.
5: Sounds good. No worries, Pete. Thanks, Nat.
2: Okay, uh Mickey Collis. So there you go. Droughts, 1986. Have you been involved in a drought-breaking performance of any sort with any? I suppose not, because you know the the Diamonds have been so successful over their tenure. What about from a club point of view? I suppose it would have been. Interesting. if you're part of the West Coast Fever performance last season when they took off the title, because that was a bit of a drought, wasn't it? Oh, Uh, that was... When you look at the Orioles heritage. 25 years. Yeah, the Orioles heritage. And I remember... I used to work with Waveney Senior, actually. Oh, yeah. And Wags, uh, Wags was, of course, the captain of the Perth Orioles, and they used to get belted all the time in those early days. Yeah. But, you know, it, slowly it grew and it got better for yeah. Nick Paul here.
4: As you said, Diamonds, we were always incredibly successful. I was really fortunate to be a part of that, I guess, even for them – Winning the Commonwealth Games this year, they'd been in a bit of a drought because they hadn't won since 2014, um, a Commonwealth Games. But even my time at the West Coast Fever, us making the grand final in 2018, whilst we did unfortunately lose that, um, that was a huge moment for the club still even back then in making a grand final Mm. because I'd never appeared in finals before. Um, There needed to be a real shift around the mentality. I think they were quite happy to be finishing um, or got used to not making finals and sometimes being at the bottom of the ladder. So, um, yeah, to achieve actually getting in a grand final um, was huge. But then it was like, okay, now we need need to win
2: one. All right. uh, before the show's out, because Nat's making her debut, she's run through the banner, she's making her debut here on the (laughs) Ladbrokes Lounge, I'm going to ask her a very controversial question about her career. She doesn't even know I'm going to throw her this question before now on 11, so make sure you're listening. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is the Ladbrokes Lounge. Ladbrokes mates mode. Ladbroker together this spring carnival, you must always gamble responsibly.
1: Ladbrokes Lounge. Ladbrokes Mates Mode. The better way to chat, share and bet this spring carnival. T's and Cs apply and available on the website. Call 1-800-858-858.
2: Yes, Nat Medhurst has joined the Ladbrokes Lounge uh, this morning for the first time and will be my regular co-host. Really looking forward to uh, enjoying Saturday mornings with Nat. It's great having her on board. Uh, Ladbrokes Mates Mode. They sponsor the Ladbrokes Lounge. The better way to chat chair and bet this spring carnival tnc's apply and available on the website call one 858 858 let's check the afl market by the way that number one 858 858 the afl market the brownlow medal dan cobby from ladbrokes joins us good morning again well, dan good
0: afternoon it's going to be a footy uh, we can't wait to get stuck into this uh, of course geelong was fantastic victors last night they've booked their seats In the grand final, that being next weekend, the Swans take on Collingwood this afternoon, 4.45 Eastern time. And, uh, look, the Swannies are favourites here. Home crowd advantage, $1.42. Collingwood at $2.90. So, certainly weighted money with the Swans. And I can tell you, all the big bets have been on the Sydney Swans. So, they are certainly favourite to get a spot in that grand final alongside Geelong next week. It's certainly an interesting game coming up. Collingwood, they're showing glimpses of ruins throughout the year and potentially their best could be good enough today. It's going to be a fantastic match. The line is uh, certainly telling you otherwise, though, in that sense because the Swans have been really well supported at minus 17.5. So... That being even money lines the lines at minus seventeen and a half there for the Swans, plus seventeen and a half for Collingwood. We're looking at a total points here market of a dollar sorry, rather a hundred and sixty three and a half, that being at a dollar eighty eight. That has certainly created some strong interest. The overs at a hundred and sixty three and a half. And then of course, this is one that punters are always keen to play, and it certainly gets punters interested, is the first goal kicker. Lance Franklin is currently favourite at $8.50, of course, from the Swans. Likewise, the second elect from the Swans, Isaac Heaney at $9.50. Ash Johnson is the first there for Collingwood at $10. Likewise, Brodie Myrchik at $10, Papley on that line as well. Then we go down to Jamie Elliott at 12 Will Hayward for the Swans at $12. And likewise, Jack Ginnivan. That's certainly an open market. But Buddy Franklin is currently favourite. The first goal could get tonight
2: at $8.50. I might take the 10 on Papley. There you go on the Ladbrokes uh, Lounge. All right, uh, let's look at the Brownlow medal. That happens tomorrow night. Uh, Dan, what's the market? Uh, Is Lockie Neal or Clayton Oliver the favourite?
0: Well, with Labros, Lockie Neal is favourite, but it's a very competitive market, probably the most open it's been in recent years. In fact, the brown are, of course, rescheduled to tomorrow night. Lockie Neal is favourite, $3.25. Clayton Oliver on the second line at $3.75. Then we go down to Patrick Cripps at $6. Likewise, on that line as well, Andrew Brayshaw at $6. Christian Prataka is next best at $7.50. Lockie Neal, favourite, though, at $3.25 and has certainly been best-backed. I know the market's saying otherwise, but you'd have to think it is a two-horse war here between Lockie Neal and Clayton Oliver.
2: Yeah, looking forward to tomorrow night. We're looking forward to keeping in touch with Dan Cobby at Ladbrokes. Thanks for joining us, Dan. Thank you. Looking forward to a
0: big weekend, of course, of racing and sport.
2: Yeah, we'll check in with you again in the next hour. Dan Cobby there from Ladbrokes. It's a 3 to 10, almost through the first hour, Nat. Phew. How are you feeling? <laughs>
4: I'm good. I probably uh, need to stay hydrated, but uh, <laughs> no, we're,
2: we're going well, I think. <laughs> we're going well. Now, after 10 o'clock, Tony Sage is going to join us, the Perth Glory owner. Uh, the W League team is chasing a major sponsor. and But more also, the other big story is the fact that they are so nomadic. Where are they going to play their home games? Now, I call the A-League for SEN and have been doing it for the last couple of years. I'm wondering where I'm going to be calling from. You know, I might be calling from a cherry picker or something like that. I've got no idea what's happening. So hopefully Tony Sage can bring us up to date with that. And also, we'll be uh, sort of diving into the Diamonds. We've got a very big month in October, haven't they?
4: Yeah, a huge month coming up. They've got uh, four test series against the Silver Ferns. Two tests will be played over there, two in Australia. And that's then followed straight into three test matches against the England Roses.
2: It was really good, actually, at the Commonwealth Games to see Jamaica come up. Uh, of course, on the back end of uh, Janelle Fowler, who was just outstanding. And, of course, England, uh, being at uh, at home in Birmingham, they were also a threat as well. So do you feel that other nations are starting to catch up to Australia and New Zealand now?
4: Oh, absolutely. Um, and, you know, it was quite interesting because I'd say England Roses were the favourites and they didn't even come away with a yeah. medal, which pleased They the
2: were thing. the favourites.
4: They were the favourites. Because um, so I, I thought every, that...
2: every tournament, whether it be World Champs or Commonwealth Games, it's always either Australia or New Zealand.
4: Yeah, uh, New Zealand sort of dropped off a little bit the last 12 months just because of players um, coming in and Mm. out. So they probably weren't expected, to be honest, to even medal for this tournament, um, which they did. They beat... England and came away with a bronze um, and I think the big stories around Jamaica they've been a team that is constantly threatened but has never been able yeah. to get it together consistently one week you play them and they are phenomenal and the next week they look like they'd rather be out on the beaches <laughs>
2: <laughs> in Barbados yeah, in Barbados
4: <laughs> and um, yeah obviously having their players over here as he's touched on Janil Fowler um, Shamira Sterling who's phenomenal defender for the Adelaide Thunderbirds. Um, they've got some incredible talent coming through, and they were almost um, mm. gold medalists. So, Amazing. Yeah, phenomenal.
2: Would have been great for the sport in the Caribbean, wouldn't it? Because it's interesting, actually, because cricket was the number one sport in the Caribbean, and then and this was years ago when they had Viv Richards and Clive Lloyd, and they were the, the Caribbean Calypsos. They were just fantastic to watch. And of course, soccer was also big in the Caribbean Islands as well, but When they had pay TV and they beamed NBA into the Caribbean islands, these tall, lanky West Indian kids all of a sudden saw the likes of their NBA stars. And of course, basketball started to infiltrate and take away the kids away from cricket. And the cricket administrator's attitude was, It'll be right. It'll be right. We're still the number one sport. It'll be right. And all of a sudden, you look at West Indian cricket has been the last 20 years compared to what it was certainly when I was growing up in the 70s and 80s, where they were just the dominant nation in the world better than Australia. They used to hammer Australia all the time, but things have changed significantly. And that's when you have to... And we're going to talk about AFLW later, because the Eagles are playing at the moment. Uh, They're taking on GWS there at Homebush at Giant Stadium. They're behind at the... In fact, maybe just in front. So it's two goals to one at half-time. Um, so we'll bring you up to date that. But all, all the, the evolution of AFLW, Nat. I, I gather you'd have an opinion on that as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. OK, it's a minute past ten here on the Ladbrokes Lounge. Tony Sage joins us next after the break.
1: The Ladbrokes Lounge. Ladbrokes mates mode. The better way to chat, share and bet this spring carnival. T's and C's apply and available on the website... 1 800 858
2: 858. Oh, yes, great to have you on the uh, Ladbroke's Lounge with uh, Peter Vlahos and Nat Medhurst on this uh, Saturday morning. And uh, we're going to be here right and through until 11 o'clock. As I said, I'm going to throw a very controversial question to Nat before 11 o'clock. You don't know what I'm going to throw to you. <laughs> hey. No, <I'm>
4: nervous. Yes,
2: <laughs> a very controversial. I'm going to ask a question about her career that I, you know, I've done a bit of homework and uh, I'm going to see how she reacts to it. So that's going to be a real test for her between now and 11. Wherever you may be listening through Perth, through the southwest, in the gold fields, in the Peel region, or on the SENWA app around Australia, uh, maybe around the world, it's great to have you on board. You can join us on the Landbrokes, Ladbrokes Lounge uh, SMS line 0487 736 736. I haven't spoken to him for a little while because he's been very busy with his other business, but he is the owner-chairman of the Perth Glory. And, of course, the A-League season now gets underway in around about a month's time, just under a month's time. And they don't know where they're going to be playing their home games.
4: That's
2: not ideal. Not ideal at <laughs> <as> well. You <laughs>
4: kind of need a venue.
2: Unbelievable what's transpired. HBF Park, which is a great rectangular stadium, and I broadcast the A-League games, and I really do enjoy it. And it's great to call them there because it's a great atmosphere. You've got the shed chanting and carrying on. It's its its a great vibe. But because of the so-called development happening ahead of the FIFA Women's World Cup, it was supposed to be finished in January. It's been delayed to March. And all of a sudden, there's a chance that the Glory won't play a game there this coming season. Tony Sage joins us on the program. Tony, thanks for your time. No worries, guys. Thanks for having me on. Where is it at now, Tony? I know that reportedly judging from just a bit of social media that I've read regarding yourself and what you've posted, appears that the government, and in particular the sports ministers, finally jumped on it.
6: Yeah, look, uh, it's been a long time. I mean, uh, they must have known months and months ago it wasn't going to be ready uh, in January. Um, And uh, we only got told three weeks ago. And in three weeks... Nothing has happened. So we've uh, asked for a meeting with the minister. The minister took our meeting last week, and now there he's he's really mobilised uh, every, everyone. Uh, and uh, it's between Joondalup, obviously, and uh, Macedonia Park in um, in Stirling. So we go from a 20,000-seat venue to something that holds 2,000 at the moment. Uh, and with some stands that they might put in, might increase that to 4,000 people.
4: So there's obviously... Not ideal. There would be a financial element for the club around that with the spectators. So is there any support or anything that goes then back to the club to cover those losses?
6: Look, uh, we're in discussions with them, but you're right, 100%. I mean, our average crowd pre-COVID was nine six. Uh, we're going to go to a stadium with uh, four, so that's four thousand six hundred times roughly forty dollars a ticket. That's three million bucks alone over the ten games that we're going to miss. And then you've got no LED lighting, you've got no corporate facilities. Yeah, that's another million and a half dollars. It's 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 massive. We have worked it out. It's about a five million dollar loss. And you know, it's all well and good that the government is going to have to uh, put up the facilities at, uh, at Up or Macedonia Park, but uh, you know, the club is really hemorrhaging, uh, and obviously we haven't been able to go out with membership sales. Uh, because uh, we can't guarantee anyone a seat. So imagine if we did sell for 6,000, 7,000 members' tickets, uh, 3,000 would have to be refunded because they can't sit in the ground. It's, it is it is a nightmare.
2: That's a disgrace, Tony. It's, it really is. It smacks of uh, incompetence by the government not to address this, really. Uh, and I can't believe it's got to this. So what's the reason for the delays? And there's a real chance you probably won't even play at HBF Park at all next season
6: uh well we're hoping uh they they they're basically telling us now that it will be finished at the end of uh February so we'll have three maybe four home games uh looks like three because they've booked in a concert uh, as well, which we get kicked out for for sport venue yeah. uh, after missing nine nine games early. So look, that that's a, a a controversial point as well. But look, they're really really pushing because uh, not only will it affect us, uh, but the four starts uh, in February as well. So they've already had to shift one game. But the problem is, is um, you know we've had two absolutely shocking years with uh, COVID. Yeah, you know, half the games, we had no fans at the stadium. You remember, I was a ball boy at one, yes. one game just so I could get in. Um, so we've had a really bad time. So this season was going to be our, uh, um, you know, uh, our redemption, if you like. And uh, you know what it's like away, Eagles, Dockers, everyone. It, it's hard to win away. And now we might have to play our first six games away uh, because even if the up or Macedonia Park won't be ready because... Mm. You know they've only just started action now on on um, delivering us a venue.
2: What about Dorian Gardens? Because uh, I reckon that's a nice boutique stadium. Has that been considered?
6: It's, yeah, yeah. Look, we, we've looked at Leadable. uh Obviously, the Wacker and Optus are out because of the T20, and the pitches mm. are in there already. So that, that it's too grand, hard. We looked at Claremont. Claremont was a perfect opportunity. But the the increase in lights uh, there from 750 to 1500 meant all the residents around needed to give approval and that would take too long, obviously. And, and if one resident said no, so that that got knocked out. Um, Dorian, it's a, it's a light issue and there's no extra uh, place to put a stand. Uh, it's because you know how tight it is there and that would oh, yeah. only fit, up to, I think, three properly. So... Macedonia Park has got that big expanse. It's got a huge uh, couple of uh, pictures at the back where the car parking can go and a a corporate tent facility. So that that, um, was uh, the venue chosen by um, everyone concerned, uh, including the APL.
4: And on the back of all this as well, you've got your women's team chasing a major sponsor
6: yeah yeah look it's rich it's bizarre i mean, you've got the women's world cup you've got everyone talking about uh that fantastic game at wembley uh where England won the first championship in a long time in the in the women's euros, so you know it's getting impetus all around the world we've got who you know we hosted uh well captained uh and and taught uh, Sam Kerr you know the best player in the world arguably at the moment. Uh, coming from Perth, and uh, yeah, not one uh, corporate uh, in Western Australia is uh, willing to stump up uh, to become the major sponsor when BHP left last year.
2: Yeah, and uh, of course, this program goes right through statewide, and of course, even goes up to the far northwest. So you know, it, it is a great exposure because, uh, as we know, Network Ten do carry the A League and also the AFLW, com- uh, the uh, A League yeah, W what, what- competition.
6: Yeah, yeah, the the A-League women this year, is every single game uh, is going to be televised live on 10, bold, I think it is. So that's fantastic for the women's game, and they did that uh, as celebration for us uh, hosting the World Cup um, uh, next year. So, yeah, it, it is bizarre. I mean, uh, the excuses that have come out from uh, people like Woodside and Chevron and BHP and Rio is just bizarre. I mean, they want to promote... Uh, Uh, diversity and and women's and they just (laughs) won't stump up for football, women's football. It's just crazy. Mm,
2: It is. It's so important. So, you know, we'll certainly get on the case here at SENWA and see if we can get uh, certainly uh, a major sponsor to support the the A-League W team for the Perth Glory. Tony, just finally, uh, the squad's had many changes. As the owner-chairman of the Perth uh, Glory Certainly, Ruben Zadkovic and his support staff, Andy Keogh, the head of recruitment. I tell you what, it would be a different looking Perth Glory team this coming season.
6: Oh, absolutely different. Um, and look, uh, confidence as well. Uh, last year, as you know, that the, they were just uh, uh, treated terribly by and bad luck. With you know, I think uh, Sturridge alone spent thirty-five days in hotel quarantine on his own out of the hundred days he was here. And obviously that curtailed all his injuries, but all the young players too. You know, 17 days was the average that we spent in quarantine, and, and no other team had any days in quarantine because of the particular rules we had here in WA. So, 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 so a lot of departures, uh, but a lot of uh, really good incoming talent, and everyone's so excited about the new uh, signing we did the other day, the Tunisian winger. Uh, he he he's going to be extremely exciting.
2: Yeah, no, looking forward to it. Tony, thanks for that. Uh, we'll keep in touch. I know you're very busy at the moment. Uh, let's see if we can uh, get on board with the A-League W team at the Perth Glory and get a major sponsor for them. Uh, we'll be in touch. Uh, and thanks for your time thanks. this morning. Thanks, mate. Thanks. Good man. on you. Bye. Okay, uh, Tony Sage, the owner of uh, the Perth Glory. When you look at uh, women's sport, uh, and you have been involved with it. Now, the AFLW is just uh, growing. It's in its seventh season. We see the West Coast Eagles 2-3-15. They lead the GWS Giants one, one seven. That's been played at the, the Giants Stadium there in Western Sydney. Uh, it's growing exponentially. There's no question about that, Nat. But, again, funding, when you look at where you prioritise funding, it tends to go to the men's game before it goes to the women's game.
4: Yeah, it does. It's disappointing. <laughs> um and I think there's still so much that women's sport have to fight for around being taken seriously and being seen as professional athletes, and what you know the level of the quality mm. in which that these players are able to to deliver. And yet there's so much that I think corporates are able to get from getting around women's athletes. Um, you know they are quite intelligent (laughs) individuals, (laughs) Um, very well-mannered. They generally don't get into too much trouble either. No, they don't. um, Yeah, and I think it is just such a great opportunity. And dare I say, sponsors also get probably more bang for their buck getting around women's sport because they don't have to pay the bigger dollars that mm. are generally um, around being on board with a, a men 's code, so yeah it is it 's disappointing that you know female sports are still having to fight so incredibly hard to be taken seriously and um, to get backing from. From corporate businesses.
2: Now, so, if you are involved and maybe a decision maker at your organisation, you've just heard Tony get on board with the uh, A League women's team at the Perth Glory. They're looking for a, a major sponsor in what is certainly uncomfortable and difficult times for the club, after all. Uh, the round ball game is the world game played in all parts uh, of the world. And as we know, we've got the FIFA Women's World Cup coming to our shores uh, early next year. And of course, we've got the Socceroos also at the World Cup in Qatar. That starts in November. It's a big year, certainly for the world game uh, this year. It's uh, coming up 17 past 10. You're with Nat Medhurst and Peter Vlahos here on the Ladbrokes Lounge. Ladbrokes mates mode. it together this spring carnival. Gamble responsibly.
3: At Red Energy, we give you power. Power that's backed by renewable energy projects like the mighty snowy hydro scheme. Power to support our economy by choosing a retailer that's 100% Aussie owned and operated. And the power to get award-winning customer service every time you contact our Melbourne-based coal centre. So for locally born and bred gas and electricity, Call Red today on 131 806.
1: we got to warm this place up. Warm up and dry out this winter with Jetfire Industrial LPG and
2: diesel-fired heaters. They're fully automatic, reliable, portable and packed with safety features. Ideal for heating sheds, warehouses, workshops or even drying paint and plaster. Jetfire, a trusted Australian brand for over 35 years. Brought to you by the makers of Spitwater Pressure Cleaners. Visit spitwater.com.au or call one 800 spitwater
1: The Ladbroke's Lounge. Ladbroke's Mates Mode. The better way to chat, share, and bet this spring carnival. Ts and C's apply and available on the website. Call one 858 858
2: Great to have you company. Nad Medhurst has officially uh, joined the Tab Touch or the Ladbroke's Lounge. Fraudulent slip there. 0487 736 736. You're doing an outstanding job, better than me because I've just made a big stuff up there. Ladbroke's Lounge, 0487 736 736 is the SMS or the text line. You can join us anytime, but we are creatures of habit. Uh, coming up, uh, West Coast 2315. A minute to go in the third term in their AFLW match against uh, the Giants, one 7 Not very high scoring, but again, a lot of the AFLW games aren't. It was interesting last night. Uh, I only caught up on social media, uh, but in Sydney, of course, Network 9, the 9 Network, carry the Rugby League, Nat, and they were due to televise the NRL semi-final, Okay. Uh, between Parramatta and Canberra. But they decided to flick it to the digital station, Nine Gem, because they thought they'd get a huge backlash if they cut out of the Queen Elizabeth II Memorial, Uh, of course. And yesterday they all went to Cardiff Castle. I saw a bit of it last night. Of course, the Queen is laying in state at uh, Westminster Abbey there. And people are filing through and they thought we would be absolutely hung and quartered by our viewers if we would bow out of that and go to a rugby league semifinal. So they made the management decision of putting it on the digital station. It didn't happen in the AFL, but it happened with rugby league. So that was a big call, wasn't it? Because we're at the semifinal stage of uh, the rugby league. But that was a call that the Nine Network did make in uh, the most populous city the most fanatical city when it comes to rugby league being Sydney.
4: Yeah, it's a big one. Um, I know it's probably shocking that there's other things going on in the mm, world outside yeah. of sport, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Um, but it's probably a smart one yeah. um, as well, I think. Whether you're on board with the whole monarchy and everything, it's, um, yeah, certainly a lot of people still paying their respects to the Queen. It was huge.
2: Like David Beckham lined up for 13 hours to pay his respect because people are lying, lining up there for almost – A day. Uh, And Beckham was in the line for 13 hours to pay his respects. So there you go. All right, Dan Cobby now joins us from Ladbrokes here on the Ladbrokes Lounge uh, as we look at a big day of racing. Welcome back, Dan. Great to be here yet again.
0: Hello to you and all the listeners. It's a big day of racing right around the country. We can't wait to to get stuck into a big day's of racing.
2: Yeah, let's kick it off at Caulfield. It's the Sir Rupert Clark uh, as the feature today. Give us the market on Ladbrokes.
0: What a race it is as well. This race has obviously caused a bit of conjecture this week because well, I wish I win race favourite. It was, in fact, second emergency for this race. I can tell you when scratchings were finalised this morning at 7.30, there were no scratchings. Therefore, I wish I win doesn't gain a start. Likewise, Dragon Leaf, who is in fact first emergency. He ran fourth first up in the Menzies. He doesn't go to run either. So, this race has certainly changed complexion. Race favourite now is Tuvalu at $4.80 for the Lindsay Smith yard. Jared Fry looking to get his first Group 1 win. Showmanship, the former West Aussies, at $5.50 on the second line. Anton's on the third line, who has been a drifter. 5 out to $7. We're then looking at double figures uh, for the remainder. The first of those being I Am Superman, who did in fact hit $17 this morning. Is now trimmed up back into $12. So a little bit of support there for I Am Superman. New favourite in this race, Hulu now at $4.80
2: with the scratching I Wish I Win. Uh, good stuff at week Excitement because Nature Strip returns today. That's right. Coming off his win at Royal Ascot in the Kingston Stakes.
0: What a, a great victory that was and he certainly trolled the house down leading into this, which he always does. And he looks ready to rumble here, fresh. He's got a terrific fresh record. And he is, of course, our race favourite for the shorts a $2.15 for Nature Strip. Eduardo, his old rival, is on the second line at $4.00. Then it's an interesting one, the battle for the the third favouritism, so to speak. Marzu's a new horse on the scene at $7. There's been certainly some interest in him this morning. And then we go down to Lost and Running at $9.50. Of course, has already sewn up a spot in the Everest. In fact, the first four horses I just mentioned are all heading towards the Everest in a few weeks' time. So it's a little bit of a, a mini Everest, so to speak. Interestingly enough, this is probably the first time that we've seen, leading up to that big race, that we've seen them all meet so early in the preparation here in the Shorts.
2: Ah, good stuff. Okay, let's come closer to home and just across uh, the railway line, basically, at Belmont. We're focusing on race eight today.
0: That's right. It's um, certainly the best race on the card, 1,200-metre race here in a really competitive betting event. The market mover so far has been number two comes a time. It is now your favourite at $3.10 start trade. At $3.90 there as well, well supported. Mood swings on the third line at $5. Um, Then we go down to... Salaya, who's actually been a big drifter in betting as a consequence for those moves, for the, those handy in betting, is now out to $8.50. But the favourites best tried here. Comes a time for Harvey and Grantham. $4 on opening, now into $3.10. We've seen this Galloper be one of the best backrunners throughout the card today at Belmont.
2: Good on you, Dan. Dan Cobby from Ladbrokes, of course. He's on the Ladbrokes Lounge. We'll check in with you, looking at the AFL and also the Brownlow Metal Markets in the next half hour. Thanks, Dan.
0: Thank you. Looking forward to a big weekend, of course, of racing and sport.
2: Ah, yes, we all are. and We're going to talk more. We've got uh, a very special guest from the Australian Diamonds joining us uh, in the next 15 minutes.
4: We most certainly do. Yeah.
2: Tell us a bit of a character reference.
4: Uh, what is she? She's South Aussie.
2: Ah, yes.
4: South Aussie, so she's a good one. She's written a book. Actually, she's written two, and she loves to speak. Oh, it. Oh, really? She About is. what? Um, it's a kid's book around um, netball. Is that um, right? Yeah, yeah. Just ask her about it. <laughs> She'll let you know. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, so, Maddie Proud.
2: Yeah, looking forward to speaking to Maddie. Uh, she's going to come up uh, very shortly. Okay, I'm going to throw that uh, question. Uh, a controversial part of Nat Methurst's career in netball. And, and I said this during the break, and I'll say it publicly here on the Lad Breaks Lounge. We have got a legend of the sport of netball here in the studio. Nat would go down as one of the greats of all time when it comes to netball in this country. There's no question about that. And if you look at what she's achieved, her CV is quite exceptional. So, uh, but there was a controversial moment in her career. And, of course, all elite sports people have ups and downs to a certain degree. We're going to speak about one of Nat's down moments in what was an illustrious 17-year career. You've got to listen to this. That's coming up next here on... ...is here.
1: The Ladbrokes Lounge. Ladbrokes Mates Mode. The better way to chat, share and bet this spring carnival. Teas and Cs apply and available on the website. Call one eight hundred eight five eight eight five eight. 858 858
2: Now, our producer is uh, Paul Heath. We call him Heater. They keep getting mixed up in the office. Sometimes I hear Heater and I think it's Peter and I turn around, but they're calling him. He's got a segment we're going to look at incorporating next week around you. Oh, boy. Okay, so get ready for this. Here, what's it called uh, a heat up. Can you put it up? Uh the segment that you're looking here if you need here if you need, which is a term in Netball, isn't it? Here it, if you need.
4: It is very much a netball. So we're term. gonna
2: we're gonna create a segment starting next week entitled Here If You Need. Okay. Great. We'll tell you the
4: dynamic We'll tell you the, dynam- okay. we'll tell you the <laughs> dynamics
2: of it uh in a little while, okay? Um Nat Medhurst penned an article after one of the most controversial moments, if not the most controversial moment in her career when she was axed by the West Coast Fever come 2018. She wrote an article on Athlete's Voice and the opening line was, it was pretty brutal the way they did it. I had no inkling it was coming. I thought I would finish my career with the West Coast Fever I had a three-year contract that included this season with an opt-out clause for both parties. Last August, being August of 2018, one day before my contract ended, Fever opted out. Now, you're blindsided. You're playing terrific netball for the West Coast Fever. They're on their way up. They recruited you to, of course, develop the the brand because the West Coast Fever, for the years before that, had been sitting sort of in the cellar-dweller area of the ladder, and all of a sudden they're on the rise, why did this happen? And the fact that you were blindsided, and surely, and I remember it as a journalist, as a person following sport, this was a significant story in a sporting landscape here in Perth, the fact that Nat Medhurst, one of the big brands of the West Coast Fever, was told to go.
4: Yeah, it was, I'm, I, to be honest, probably still don't really understand <laughs> It all. Um, And I remember going into, I mean, we'd been in the grand final in 2018. We had lost. Um, And the couple of years prior to that, when they had developed the Suncorp Super Netball League, a lot of the players left. Um, They moved to other clubs for their own reasons, which is fine. And I had stayed. I still wanted to be a part of the club and developing Mm. it and making it something over here um, in the West. And... I remember we'd had our awards dinner, I think it was on the Wednesday or Thursday night. Um, I had the meeting. Yeah, the Wednesday night. We had the meeting on the Thursday. um, And I had no idea what was going on. And I actually got a text message from a player at another club about, um, oh, what are you doing next year? You're going to come play for us. And I was like, no, I'm signed for West Mm. Coast Fever. What are you talking about? And so, there were murmuring. So, there were murmuring from other people, and they said, Oh, no, West Coast have signed um, Alice Teague neal who's still there, great girl. Um, and so, I sort of then actually started piecing it together before heading into this meeting that I felt that this is the direction in which it was going to go. And sure enough, I went into that meeting on the Thursday. Um, they told me that they were opting out. Um, there was, as I said, there was an opt out clause, there was meant to be a month notice. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no intention of going anywhere. Um, and so then I had, the next day was the contract had, was expired. Um, so I was without a job, no idea what I was going to do, no way of knowing what I was going to do for income at that point. Cause as I thought I was still having a job mm. the following, uh, 12 months and just had, yeah, no idea it was coming. So it was, um, a, a lot to digest.
2: Do you remember your emotions when you left West Coast Fever headquarters got in your car and you were driving home
4: uh i do i was i think I was surprised I managed to keep myself together in the meeting to be honest, mm. but I think it was shock um just the reality of what they had said and just trying to get my head around it was sort what of, was, was their reasoning that to Did be they honest, give you a
2: clear reason no
4: i d- I actually don't remember there being a clear reason around it or if it was just mm. because they wanted to invest in in youth or whatever it may have been, Um, which was quite – I think that may have been something that they had said because then I remember being surprised when I eventually did sign with Collingwood. They wanted me for two more years, yet I was too old for Mm. (laughs) someone else to keep me for one. Um, And then I remember getting in my car and just sort of bursting into tears and then that night sort of all the things going in, thinking about I'm without a job, what am I going to do? How do I tell my family about this as well? Um, I remember I just sent it to them in a text and just said, I don't want to talk about it. Just letting you know this, but don't Mm. contact me. Um, yeah. So so you were
2: mentally very fragile.
4: Oh yes. Yeah. For a
2: number of days after that.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And then the news got broken on the Friday late afternoon and I remember just turning my phone off. Um, there were obviously a lot of calls from media, a lot of messages from people. There was an enormous amount of. Support. support, yeah. Um, but I just felt found it incredibly um just overwhelming, and I wasn't mm. in a I guess a headspace to actually deal with it. How
2: did you get over it? Um, no doubt signing for another club would have helped, but you probably weren't ready to move on from where you were.
4: No, well as I said, I thought I would finish my career with the West Coast Fever. Um, so there was a lot to sort of think about, and Sam and I we'd only sort of just started dating around at this point as well. His support was phenomenal. Mm. Um, he was, yeah, incredible throughout that entire time. Um, so I certainly relied on him a lot and a lot of, I guess my close friends and also family eventually when I started, um, I guess processing things and what I could do. And, um, there was only about a week or two until the actual contracting period then finished as well. So a lot of the clubs had filled up their rosters and signed everyone. Um, and then it was a discussion with Collingwood um, mm. that then then followed, which I just thought, oh, my gosh, I can't believe i have yeah. got a potentially <laughs> enough at Collingwood of all clubs. Um, yeah, and then it was, well, do I take it? What do I do? And, um, yeah, it's a lot to digest, as mm. I said.
2: We could talk for hours about that, but we're going to take a break because we've got uh, Maddie Proud coming up next. Looking forward to, to having a chat to her. She's coming up uh, next. Thanks, Nat, for sharing a bit of that with us. It's 20 to 11 here on the Ladbrokes Lounge. The Ladbrokes
1: Lounge. Ladbrokes Mates Mode. The better way to chat, share and bet this spring carnival. T's and Cs apply and available on the website. Call 1-800-858-858. Uh,
2: Mike, uh, on the Temperate Bedshed text line, do you know if the instrumental game is telecast today on free-to-air? Mike, I don't think so, but I'll confirm it uh, very, very shortly. All right, our final guest, always leave the best till last, uh, Nad, is a person that you know very, very well.
4: Yes, we have Maddie Proud here, Australian, net, well almost Australian, diamond. She can almost, well, I hope we'll be able to be able to put a test cap against her name. And she's also, as I touched on, before, she's written a book, so yeah, that I'm she wants to, that. to get out there. That's probably the thing she hangs her hat on. So. Ahead of a
2: big month for yes. the diamonds as well,
4: massive month. So um, they've got four test matches against the Silver Ferns, followed by three tests against England Roses. And Maddie Proud is actually named to play in both of those test matches. So. Maddie, welcome to the show. <laughs> thank you very
3: much. Thanks for having me. And a special thank you for the book shout out
4: straight off. <laughs> I, I, thought I, I thought I'd save you uh, having to do that yourself. So you're welcome. <laughs> you know how much I hate talking about it. So thank you for that. <laughs> um, so Maddie, um, this is a big opportunity for you. You have not actually made your test debut for the Australian Diamond. So how are you feeling actually heading into these two test series?
3: Yeah, I'm so excited. I think when I saw that email come through, I think I was somewhere in the Greek Islands and we got the message kind of telling us the names of, of who was going to each tour. So I don't think that day could have got much better being obviously in Greece and then finding out that I was not only in the one tour, but the two as well. So obviously still nothing guaranteed with both being squads of 14.
4: So I've got to get myself in the 12 first and then obviously on the court as well. But um, yeah, just so excited for the opportunities ahead. And the Aussie Diamonds, they are obviously now Commonwealth Games medalists, coming off of Birmingham winning that gold medal. Um, I guess what has been the conversation leading in and when are you girls actually starting your training preparation for this series?
3: Yeah, it's been awesome. Obviously the girls that were in Birmingham are still probably on a high and they've obviously got to enjoy a bit of time off. And we've all had some one-on-ones with Stacey Marinkovic and then the S&C as well just to kind of touch base with where everyone's at because we've obviously got a lot of people coming in from either having a longer break than, than some, which is where I sit in, and then some that have obviously come off the back of, of that gold medal. So everyone's at different positions, but they've sort of assured us that when we're in the squad, everything will be really consistent and we'll kind of get caught up on what, what went on in Birmingham and make sure that we're all across the same page. So we go into camp at the start of October and have a week-long camp in Canberra to kind of get everyone back on the track. That's everyone that's doing either the England tour or the uh, New Zealand series. So everyone will be able to kind of touch base then and um, kind of recoup before we all go off and travel sort of around, yeah, the the trans Tasman for a a couple of weeks.
2: Mm. Maddie, Peter here, just regarding, of course, the success in Birmingham. And, of course, uh, as Nat pointed out, hopefully uh, some caps and many caps for the Diamonds coming your way. Is this a transitional period? Will there be a bit of experimentation next month?
3: Well, I think with the World Cup coming up next year, there's obviously that's the the goal in sight. And it's sort of sad in a way that you pretty quickly have to go away from the celebrations of the gold medal and your focus then shifts onto the next one in sight. But the best thing about uh, these next two series is that because there are so many games, they've given everybody in the squad an opportunity to be involved in, you know, either one or both of the tours. So I guess in that sense, they are trying to expose as many players as possible to the the international world and, um, you know, you always talk about experience and things like that and you kind of get can't get experience unless you have that experience. So I think they're trying to give as many people a go but obviously with the, the goal of winning in mind. So um, it'll be really good to see a mixture of different players and, as I said, you've kind of got different teams for, for both tours as well. So we'll hopefully get to see some fresh faces out there and, I guess, fingers crossed one of those is mine.
4: <laughs> and I guess for you personally, you have... Um, been so close there you're actually dropped from the squad earlier in the year then came back into it um you know you've been on some of the tours and ne- never actually had an opportunity to make your test debut how has it actually been for you around the frustrations and I guess managing um your expectations and and where you're at
3: yeah, I mean, it's pretty tough and you probably out of anyone know that better than anyone. And it's one of those things where you kind of can go from the real elation of getting picked in the squad. And then there's obviously the disappointment of then not making the actual team. and Then on the flip side, there's the disappointment of not making a squad. And then in my case, getting kind of put in late was then something I wasn't expecting at all. But I guess for me, I've always been pretty solid in Maintaining that idea that when we're in SSN season, so when I'm with the Swift, that's my core focus. And I guess that's sort of the time where usually a lot of these selections take place. And in a way, it's a welcome distraction to have such a strong um, focus on, you know, just winning SSN and winning games, you know, week in, week out with that team that you kind of don't have time to dwell on, I guess, those disappointments. And then on the flip side, when this kind of came about for these next tours, that was when we were in this break where you weren't really sure what was going on. So for me, it's just about kind of trying to stay in the moment with what's going on going on um, in my kind of netball life at that time. But, yeah, I guess you just got to take the opportunities when you get them and you know that playing for Australia is something that's been a dream of mine and um, it doesn't, you know, happen to many people. So to even just be in a squad has been incredible. But I guess, yeah, now I'm, I'm getting on a little bit. So my opportunity probably is, is you know, more closer than, um, than it was in the past. So I kind of thought that door might have been closed. So for now, it's just making sure I can grab the opportunity that does come and, and make sure that I make the most of it.
2: Tell us about the book.
3: <laughs> well, books actually. There's books? two now, so yeah, I know. There's Grace on the court, and then Grace back on court. A very innovative title, I know. Um, and but, reportedly, yeah, Grace. Feelings. I've
2: had a look at us. Supposedly, Grace Parker is what a netball nerd.
3: Yes, she is. And I think there's only a few netball nerds out there, just loves everything about netball. and sort of follows her life as a 13-year-old starting high school, which I guess is a pretty important time in a young girl's life. And for me, netball was such a huge focus at that point and kind of got me through um, those kind of preteen years, which can be pretty tough. So I've kind of, yeah, tried to write a book about something that I would have liked to have read about when I was her age. And, yeah, she's the ultimate netball nerd, loves the netball 24-7. And, um, yeah, hopefully
4: some young girls out there have been enjoying reading about her.
2: Nat is laughing here in the studio. Why are you giggling for?
4: (laughs) Well, one, she loves chatting about her about her books, Maddie. But for me, the ultimate netball nerd was Susan Prattley. Now Susan Pettit. So I was just
2: and and Christian uh, her surname was Prattley.
4: Prattley, yes, the
2: right old Pratt.
4: Yes, so I was was just thinking. I was like, I wonder whether or not you took any of Pratt's into creating this this person because that for me, I I always looked at Pratt's going. She's the biggest netball nerd. The new netball nerd, I think, is Maddie
3: Turner. We used to call her Gossip Girl and we used to think she was working for Netball Scoop because she seemed to know everything about the netball world before anybody else did. And she kind of seems to have a finger in every team and know, you know, who's moving where before anyone. So maybe it's a combination of Pratt and Maddie Turner.
2: <laughs> Go on, you, Maddie. Thanks for joining us. We'll, uh, we'll have another chat before not too long. We'll keep uh, the progress on how the book's going and keep pumping it up here on the Ladbrokes okay. Lounge on SEN. Thanks for joining us this morning.
3: These
2: guys. Appreciate it. Good on you. Chatu. a good gift of the gab.
4: Yeah, she's a ripper. <laughs> ah, fantastic.
2: I tell you what very intelligent people are, the uh, netball people. Okay, let's get the latest here on the Ladbrokes Lounge from uh, Dan Cobby. Dan, uh, what are the markets for the big game this afternoon, the Swans and the Magpies?
0: What an afternoon. It's going to be a footy. Uh, We can't wait to get stuck into this.
2: All right, uh, let's look at the Brownlow medal. That happens tomorrow night. Uh, Dan, what's the market? Uh, Is Lockie Neal or Clayton Oliver the favourite?
0: Well, with Labros, Lockie Neal is favourite, but it's a very competitive market. Probably the most open it's been in recent years. In fact, the brown eye of course, rescheduled to tomorrow night. Lockie Neal is favourite, 3 $3.25. Clayton Oliver on the second line at $3.75. Then we go down to Patrick Cripps at $6. Likewise on that line as well, Andrew Brayshaw at $6. Christian Prataka is next best at $7.50. Lockie Neal, favourite though, at $3.25 and has certainly been best-backed. I know the market's saying otherwise, but you'd have to think it is a two-horse war here between Lockie Neal and Clayton Oliver.
2: Yeah, looking forward to tomorrow night. We're looking forward to keeping in touch with Dan Cobby at Ladbrokes. Thanks for joining us, Dan.
0: Thank you. Looking forward to a big weekend, of course, of racing and sport.
2: Yeah, good on you, Dan. Ladbrokes, uh, mates mode, the better way to chat, share and bet this spring racing carnival. T and TNCs apply and available on the website. Call 1-800-858-858. That's the Ladbrokes Lounge. Of course, uh, it is uh, a case of gamble responsibly uh, today. And thanks to Ladbrokes for... Um, S- providing the Ladbrokes Lounge on a Saturday morning. Uh, the duo is Pete of and Nat Medhurst. There you go. You've got through the first one.
4: Thank gosh. Uh, you've done well. <laughs> no,
2: you've done very, very well. It's been a, a real pleasure to have you on the program this morning. And uh, no doubt you're looking forward to the weekend. What's in store for Nat Medhurst this weekend, apart from chasing kids? You can have a chance to maybe... View a bit of sport today. Will you sit down and watch a bit of the Sydney Collingwood match this afternoon?
4: Absolutely. I'm going to. And um, we've got some really good mates back in South Australia. South Gawler are playing and they're actually. South Gawler. South Gawler. So I think um, one of Butsy's best mates is coaching. So I think we'll be tuning on YouTube. So
2: Sam's originally from, he's from country, regional South Australia as well, is he?
4: Yes. Yeah. I think him and Bunga, Shannon Hearn, are from the same
2: area. Oh, right. Uh, Which is, starts with A. That's with uh, A. Is he
4: Ard- Ardrossan? No?
2: Something like that. But, he,
4: but yeah, around the Barossa Valley area. So yeah. that's where they're, they're both from. Um, yeah, so be a bit of, well, real country, yeah. <laughs> country sport. I'll be watching the footy South and then goal, just trying I, to
2: I saw a bit of country. Sp- I went up to Savandis last week. In fact, up to Dead and Darigan last week to see Savandis play. Uh, against Moura in the grand final. Cervantes with Mark Lacra who was part oh, of Savanti's, yes. uh, recorded the uh, the win up there. It was great because I've got a... My daughter's husband plays for Cervantes as well. Nat, can we do the applause again? Uh, thanks, Hita. That was a great debut. Well done. <laughs> Look forward to your company you next Saturday morning at 9. This has been the Ladbrokes Lounge. Say goodbye, Nat. Goodbye, everyone. OK, and we'll see you next week. Thanks to Paul Heath for producing the show. Have a great weekend everyone.